Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to Splash Damage episode uh, 99. The witch is dead, everyone. The witch is dead. The witch is dead. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Kumanath <laughs> and I'm joined as always by my lovely wife and co-host. No, Rayla. And we're here to give you the correct opinions about video games and nerd culture and all that good stuff. And uh, we're celebrating today because two witches are dead. As a matter of fact, the witcher is going to be canceled, as it very much deserves. And Feminist Frequency, who we've talked about on this podcast since its inception, is uh, shutting down. So two witches, gonzos. Done. Uh, we're going to talk about that and maybe some other stuff. But uh, before we get into that, if you enjoy our show, please head over to patreon.com slash and there you can throw some dollars our way, support our efforts. We would really appreciate it. If not, we will keep making the show for free. Our children are sick. We're a little under the weather, so we're going to do this episode fast if we can because they're napping right now. And our hopes is that we can finish this while they are continuing to nap. But yes. if you are parents out there, you know the drill. When they're napping, you let them nap as long as possible, even if it messes up the rest of the day. Because you just have to hold on to your sanity and get them some sleepies. Yes. So, diving right into it, The Witcher TV show. <clears throat> We've talked about this on the show. But to give you a quick recap, The Witcher TV show is based on the books. Um, and the books also have a video game spinoff. It's a fantasy series. So lots of fantasy nerdy folks uh, love this uh, series, mm-hmm. both the video games and the books. Mm-hmm. The show came out, season one, was we watched it. It was pretty good. Um, really clever use of like time in that show. You didn't realize that you were in two different time zones or yeah. time periods until later, and it was pretty good. Um, I haven't read the books, but I've heard it was pretty. I heard it was pretty faithful to the core books. It is the. It's just it's like season one and season two are like flipped in terms of like book order. Okay. So like you read, you watch season one, and you're like, oh, this is like book. I can't remember what book it was, but then you watch season two, you're like, oh, these are the books before it. But mm. they are like there definitely is connection. Um, we also watched season two. To me, it wasn't as good, but... It wasn't as good. Not as good as the books, either. Um, and I also heard... I Out of curiosity, after I watched the season, I went on to the Witcher subreddit to see what fans were saying. And there were a lot of fans uh, blasting season two, especially for just not being faithful to the books and making weird changes and whatnot. There was. Some, and yeah. uh, there was already weird changes. Like, for instance, they made Trist black. And, uh, you know... Uh, Triss. Sorry, not Triss. Triss. Triss Marigold, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made her black. Uh, they, that's pretty typical. It's almost expected nowadays that any redhead in media is going to be changed into a different race. But um, uh, then news came out that Henry Cavill. Uh-huh. Okay. Always making sure that I get her his name right. Uh, he is the titular Witcher. Mm-hmm. He is Geralt of Rivia. And uh, he is so good at the role. Um, and there's several reasons for that. 
Number one, uh, Geralt in the books and in the, uh, well, I'll speak about the video games because that's what I know. Very that's handsome, very suave. He's got this long gray hair. Henry Cavill, sexy AF, <laughs> handsome man, strong, perfect casting. Honestly, they couldn't have done a better job. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but he is a huge nerd, which is just amazing. Just as incredible. sexy as that man is, he's a huge nerd. Plays Warhammer and D&D and all, all the things. All of the men in their mother's basements who hope for a bright future, they look to Henry. <laughs> and they're like, if he can do it. Henry got all the beauty that all the nerds in the world were supposed to have. It was all, it wasn't spread equally. It all just went to him. And see, that's why, that's how it proves that there is sin in the world. Because <laughs> God just was like, you know, as as good as the nerd community is, because they are, they're a great group of people. He was like, I, 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 and Henry got all of it. Henry literally got all aspects, good aspects that you want in humanity, just in one body. <laughs> So, um, after season two, it came to light that Henry was going to be leaving the Witcher series, which was a huge blow to fans. After because, season three. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because he is the Witcher, right? Yes. And it came to light that pretty much uh, how I understand it, and Henry is the only one on the project who actually cares about it. Gave crap. You've got a bunch of people that work for Netflix who are, uh, you know, behind the scenes just using the show as their own woke propaganda. They're also trying to insert their own takes on things, you know, because everyone likes to be their own creative person and no one likes to faithfully adapt something that already exists you know what guess what you're not everyone's creative we just need to put that out there not everyone's creative you might be like i'm so creative you're not well look at peter jackson in the lord of the rings films as faithful as you can pretty much be to the to the themes and the storyline of the books and yet creativity oozes from those films you know what I mean? Yeah, but he is. Yeah, well, and yes, it's because he faithfully loved and respected the source material. You can still be creative within the realms of which you're, which you're given that actually makes you a, a better creator. Yes. So uh, I heard rumors that Kenry would be on set and uh, he would have copies of the books out and stuff, and he'd be like, "This isn't the line that Geralt is supposed to say. This is what he says," and stuff like that. Or we should or, like we should try doing like this scene or like incorporate because this is what's yes. in the freaking book. Or he would go roll around like in the dirt and in the muck in his costumes because he was like, "Oh well, this just happened," and you know Geralt will be a lot dirtier or you know he's portrayed as a lot. So he would go roll around in dirt and mud. Yeah. To really mess up his 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 makeup and his outfit because that's how Geralt would. Right. So truly, he cared about the project, but apparently this rubbed people the wrong way, and he left. Uh, allegedly it was to do uh, Superman films, but we all know the truth. He was probably forced out or uh, encouraged to leave because he actually cared about the source material, which is just show suicide. Anyone who uh, was involved with the decision to make or let Henry leave um, should be fired out of Mm -hmm. a cannon Mm -hmm. into the sun Mm -hmm. because uh, it doesn't make sense um, because the show rested on him. And so it was announced that some other actor, I don't even know his name, is going to be the Liam new Witcher. Hemsworth. Thank he you. He is Chris Hemsworth's little brother. Okay. And Chris Hemsworth is Thor. And everyone knew right away that this would not work. There's just, it's one of those shows where like... Well, they don't like, look the same. So that's yeah. a big thing. But it's just one of those shows where you know Henry had the passion and he had the look. And there's no one else that has that combination. And so it, there's no one that can fill those shoes. And so Liam is like making, setting himself up to fail. Mm-hmm. And it was laughable. Um, I right away checked out of the show. I'm like, I'm done. I'm not going to watch the show knowing it's going to continue without uh, Henry. It doesn't make sense to do that. The quality's going to diminish everything. And already season two wasn't that great. 
So season, th- season three came out, and I heard it had terrible viewership compared to season two and one. Probably a lot of that was one, it probably got worse, and two, a lot of people were, um, a lot of people were like, even though Henry's still in this one, I know that it's just just like, like us. It's, it's just kicking him out. Yeah. Um, and they so made the same I don't, decision su- as I don't support that. Right. And so I'm guessing that's why it kind of more out of um, uh, uh, faithful ship to him. Well, also, it's like, why invest in something that you know is going to get worse? Yeah. So, um, yeah, season three came out. It had, I want to say, 30% less viewers than than the other seasons. And I just heard today, um, actually, this news is a little bit old, but uh, The Witcher is put on hold indefinitely. This (gasps) is a a Marka article. Season three could be finale. The TV show is in doubt. Let's just read this quick. On July 27th, Netflix released the second part of the third season of The Witcher, the last one with Henry in the role of Geralt of Rivia. His replacement was going to be Liam Hemsworth, but this could be an, could take an unexpected turn after the last known events. It seems that the TV show has been put on hold despite having a fourth installment confirmed, and it is not clear that production will resume. Yeah, this thing is dead. Gone. Everything has arisen as a result of a publication by uh, Redanian intelligence in which they claim that filming on the fourth season was scheduled for this coming september however although they point out that this could be due to the strike of screenwriters and actors in hollywood the outlet argues that there could be more reasons behind it and that could make the third installment the one that ends the witcher at the moment there is speculation that filming if it resumes may not start until 2024 with no specific date set however there are those who predict that the series may never see the light of day with liam hemsworth who would not even have time to step into the shoes of the protagonist. Um, So, yeah. Uh, The article also has some background here I want to read quick. Uh, Apparently, there are several reasons why Netflix could be considering canceling the show for good. On the one hand, the cost of The Witcher is very high, and without going any further, Henry Cavill's salary in the third installment went from $400,000 to $1 million per episode. Good for him. (laughs) This, together with the progressive drop in ratings, has provoked a debate about the continuity of the series. In addition, there is some uncertainty about the controversy surrounding Cavill's departure and the arrival of Liam Hemsworth, whose signing has provoked all kinds of reactions from the fan community. The fear of a boycott could lead Netflix to take advantage of this indefinite hiatus to rethink its strategy with The Witcher. In any case, this delay would mean that the fourth and possibly final season would not see the light of day until 2025, as filming will not resume until sometime in 2024. I really just hope it's the end. Mm -hmm. Just put a nail in that coffin and be done with it. Y'all. Um... Here's one of the reasons I think it's failing. Uh, according to this Bounding Into Comics article, uh, the casting director is woke. Um, Sugar. The headline says, The Witcher casting director admits to using her job to affect change in viewers and manipulate their unconscious bias. She's trash. What trash person? So the article says, Casting director Sophie Holland, who has worked on a number of big-name genre projects, including Netflix's Wednesday, The Witcher, Shadow and Bone, as well as Prime Video's The Peripheral, Recent- okay, that should just show you right away. Uh, apparently, Shadow and Bone, that's based off of a book series. That's, I've heard, doing poorly. Um, Wednesday, that's a huge feminist just craze. And Wednesday is also based off an already existing property. Yes. So she's, she's already just awful. That's just terrible. Anyway, she recently revealed how she uses her position to push her own political worldview. Garbage. During interview as part of Janelle Riley's Acting Up newsletter that was subsequently published by Variety... Holland was first asked about which project uh, confirmed she wanted to work in the field of casting. 
As part of her answer, she said, I think the first time I felt like a casting director was when I worked on something called The Kill Team by Dan Kraus, which was the story of American soldiers over in Afghanistan. It was the first time I understood that casting wasn't just about finding beautiful people who could do the American accent convincingly, but that casting could have a real profound impact on the people watching it. She later added, you can affect change in people in whatever tiny way because you are in people's homes and they are watching this world. And that sort of solidified when I had a child. She's five now. And I thought how hard it is to be a girl. Oh (laughs) my gosh. I remember thinking I have to help her because she's just going to come under attack just like I did just because she's a girl. Oh my gosh. Maybe she'll be lucky and get to nine before somebody calls her a bitch. And it made me so sad that she was going to experience that, and I couldn't protect her from that. Why is she putting her child around people who are going to call her the B-word? Our uh, child, children are not going to be called the B-word, because why would sure we put them in that? What environment are we going to put them in that they're going to be in that? They go to nursery, and they're homeschooled with me. They're strangers. Uh, those strangers can be shot. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that she's going to be, like, men get called names, too. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Wow. Let's protect little boys from being called dicks. How about that? Neither should, children should not be called terrible names. Correct. Anyway, she says, but what I could do is change the way people see women through casting. I can make them powerful and empowering, and then the floodgates will open to them, she asserted. Holland went on to reveal she applies this theory to every job she takes on. I do apply this theory to everything, and it makes me push boundaries a little harder because I think representation is important, not just for women, but for all minority groups. I'm surprised she didn't say not just for women, but for all blacks and minority groups. <laughs> Like, people have different physical abilities, and I think it's important they're seen in strong and fierce roles. Realizing this was a real moment of falling in love with my craft in a way that feels very specific to me, she said. I hate her. Holland went on to specifically explain why she chose to race replace Yennefer in The Witcher. I am always the first to champion diversity in all its glory. One that springs to mind was the character of Yennefer on The Witcher. Lauren Schmidt, her his rich, is the showrunner, and we work so well together, and she's so open to conversations. In the book, she's described as the most beautiful woman in the world. This was a few years ago, and I'd like to think things have changed. But when you think about people's unconscious bias, especially in the fantasy world, it felt like these worlds were predominantly white. And I remember saying, I feel like we need to challenge what people think as the standard of beauty. And having a woman of color in this role does incredibly powerful things to the people watching, she admitted. I'm sorry, I thought Jennifer was white this whole time. Same. (laughs) Same. So you did a great job. Great job. We still think she's white. Uh, the author of The Witcher describes Yennefer in The Last Witch as a pair with a pale triangular face, violet eyes, and narrow, slightly contorted lips that appeared beneath the black tresses. Uh, she and apparently Hisrich clearly chose to cast an actress, in this case uh, Chala, Chalatra, that did not look like how the character was depicted in the original works. And she, the casting director, Holland, did it because she was apparently, she apparently has an issue with white women being depicted and described as being beautiful. How offensive that white women are beautiful or <laughs> can, that there are some white women that are beautiful. Is that offensive to, to I don't know what women race, or? I don't know what race Yennefer is then in, in the, I mean, she looks white to me. There's a picture of her in a snow field and she looks pale as can be. She... There's another picture of her in low lighting and she looks like she has olive skin maybe she's greek or something i don't know but to me this isn't that offensive because she's still to me she looks like yennefer from the games a little young but she looks like yennefer from the games she looks like how yennefer is described in the book the thing that ticks me off is how they made tris black that's just every redhead man stop doing that is it in the second seer in the second series she's a redhead she's a redhead in the books and in the video game 
But in the second series, no. when she's with at season, season, yeah, no, when she's, she's black. Look at her up in season two, Triss. Yeah, she's black. Oh, I'm thinking of the wrong character. And, yeah, she's portrayed by Anna Schaffer, um, who's definitely black. Doesn't even have red hair. Um, it looks like, though, that they might have recast her. Now I'm, con uh, I'm confused. Anyway. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and belabor the point. The point is she's not uh, a white redhead like she is in the books. Uh, where was I? Can you continue reading? Um, let's see here. This philosophy of eschewing, oh my gosh, ads. The source material to promote woke identity politics at Netflix appears to be massively misfiring as the recent premiere of The Witcher Season 3 saw a 50% decline in hours viewed compared to the show's second season premiere. That's what it was. The Season 2 premiere, released on December 7, 2021, and quickly topped Netflix charts as the most viewed English-language show with 142.4 million hours viewed in the first week. It continued its dominance in this, its second week with an even greater 168.4 million hours viewed. The release of the third season of the show on June 26, 2023 saw the series top at the English language charts, but it only brought in 73 million hours viewed. In its second weekend, it did not increase like the second season, but saw a decline to 66.5 million, despite still being on top of the charts. It also saw its views decline from 15.2 million to 13.8. By its third week, its hours viewed had been declined to 32.1 million, and it was down to 66.7 million views. Netflix appeared to notice a massive drop and attempted to assure fans that Henry Cavill was still playing Geralt, Geralt after he announced he would be stepping away from the role following the third season. Look at that. They knew that they were screwed, so they're like, oh, Henry's still here, Henry's still here, because that's what they knew. That's the only <laughs> way they knew people would bring it in. So what was their plan for season four? The okay, official, he's gone, but The official Witcher, Witcher Twitter account ran a campaign stating, yes, he's still Geralt in season three. Um... Apparently, they had a bunch of campaigns all over the world that had signs posted up. And so, yeah, they knew that that was the only way to get people to view it. But again, I think people were stopping to view it because they were like, you're just screwing yourselves. I don't even care if he's still in it. It's what you've done to him past this. And then also, it sucks. Yeah. The third season has also has an atrocious 24% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty bad. What do you make of Sophie Holland? Yeah, admitting you don't have to read that. Oh, okay. So uh, another thing I want to get to is uh, another Bounding Into Comics article. Um, the Witcher EP Tomic Baginski says, Series made simplifications to the source material primarily because American audiences would not grasp a higher level of nuance and complexity. Um, as if... The press surrounding the widely panned third season of Netflix's The Witcher couldn't get any worse. Series executive producer Tomic Baginski said, has claimed that the changes made to the original works were done in order to simplify the source material for wider and more specifically American audiences. So apparently uh, fans of The Witcher are too dumb to uh, understand a, a TV show. Okay. <laughs> 
Baginski, who directed the cinematic intros for all three of CD Projekt Red's The Witcher video games and has served as an EP on the Netflix series since its inception, made this revelation during a recent post-season 3 premiere interview given to Polish newspaper Gazeta whatever. Asked by the outlet's uh, reporter for his thoughts regarding how some people criticized the show for making up weird plots that changed what worked well in the books, the series' executive producer opined in turn, but when you start discussing it, it usually turns out that screenwriters thought this solution out, that it's not completely crazy. Um, it's no secret that we, the series' production team and fans, often disagree, Baginski said. Um, things are created in the discussion. Um, our tester does a great job. He checks what fits the world from books. Sometimes we get such a long list of things from him because in many places we went in a different direction. But there's a reason for it every time. Sometimes the changes are the result of production chaos because, for example, an actor fell ill and his plot needs to be edited and rewritten within a few hours so that it can be shot the next day. This is not a plot for which the whole production machine will stop, he explained. There are a lot of understandable reasons why controversial decisions are made, but the viewer does not have this context, so sometimes it hurts because something was better in the book. Um, what a sad excuse for a, a, sad, a pathetic excuse for yeah. why things turned out the way they did. Yeah. Um, let's see. Speaking with YouTube channel whatever in 2022, Baginski detailed how we resigned from cause and effect chains from linear narration, this book-like narration. When it comes to shows, the younger the public is, the, lo the logic of the plot is less significant. Pressed by his host for an idea as to what is significant to younger audience, audiences, the creator asserted just emotions, just pure emotions, a bare emotional mix. Those people grew up on TikTok and YouTube. They jump from video to video. I really doubt that people that love TikTok and YouTube and stuff are the ones that are into The Witcher. Um, think of, uh, here's a perfect example. The Game of Thrones TV show was, for a large, for like the first four seasons, very faithful to the books. Mm -hmm. And the books were full of political intrigue and mm -hmm. complex characters and a lot of intersecting plot lines and stuff like that. And people ate that show up. And now people are too stupid to, like, especially fans are too stupid. You're making this show for the fans. Let's be real. Yeah. Okay? You're supposed to. Yes. So they're the ones that are going to be offended when you change things and call them stupid. It's ridiculous. Oh, anyway, The Witcher deserves to, dead, to die. It uh, sure does deserve to dead. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of witches, Feminist Frequency is shutting down after 15 years. You think maybe she was a witch? Like, like, oh, I bet you she practices uh, Wicca or whatever it's called. Um, so Anita Sarkeesian, we've talked about her on the show several times. She's kind of the one that was at the forefront of Gamergate, which was back in 2000 freaking eight, teen. I don't know. They still bring it up, so it feels like no. yesterday. <gasps> I think Gamergate started in 2014. I think it's nine years old, dude. Oh, they still bring it up like it was yesterday, and it's still haunting their dreams. Yeah. So anyway, she... Um, she got a lot of negative attention and positive attention. Positive attention from games journalists, negative attention from video game Normal fans. People. Yes. When she would make these really ridiculous videos talking about how horrible video games are and how they treat women. Absolutely. Usually taking video games out of context, mm -hmm. pretending that video game characters are real and that they should be treated like real women, etc. It was laughable then, it's laughable now. Uh, as she gained more notor notoriety, she began doing consulting work 
where she would go to video game developers and say, hey, pay me to come in, see what your game is, and tell you how it's offensive to women so you can change it. And also, I'll, I'll only charge you six figures. And so she's been doing this for apparently 15 years. It, people and, have been uh, idiotic enough for 15 years to make this woman. I know, right? <sighs> apparently, it's now shutting down. Good. Um, Goodbye. Oh, she's tired. The article says... Pushing. This is a Polygon article, so it's going to be very heavily biased towards uh, Anita. But anyway, Anita Sarkeesian is tired. It's been more than 10 years since Sarkeesian first released Tropes vs. Women in Video Games on YouTube. It's been 15 years since Sarkeesian's oldest video and the start of what's now known as Feminist Frequency. Over the years, she and her team created several groundbreaking nope. YouTube series... Hundreds of podcast episodes done with dozens of collaborators, a games industry-focused support hotline, and a Peabody Award-winning nonprofit organization. Also, I just want to say this as an aside, Sarkeesian does not play video games. She's admitted in at video game conventions that she barely knows how to play video games. She is just a, what are they called, um, a grifter. She's just here to... Am I a grifter? No. She's okay. just here to cause waves, make her money... Cause chaos and get out. She's a troll. It's terrible. And people take her seriously. Um, it's the sort of work that's both essential and draining. Essential, Polygon? Really? It's essential to tell people that uh, it's wrong uh, for video game women to wear bikinis? It's, she goes to sleep crying each night going, what I did today for women, fake women in video games, it was essential. Go check turn up prices. We have 10 minutes. Okay. Sorry, guys. We got back into Animal Crossing, and uh, we got to check those nerf prices before it's too late. Anyway, uh, the article says, It's work that's so meaningful, it's easy to, for, to feel an obligation to continue, even in the face of exhaustion. That's why it's time for a break. I'm ending fe feminist frequency because I'm extremely burnt out, Sarkeesian told Polygon. I can't vacation that off. I can't offload that anymore. I can't save the video game. I can't save any, everyone. Sarkeesian's work made feminist critique of the video game industry impossible to ignore, and the developers listened. Yes, the video game industry has a long way to go. Not everyone listened, thank God. But Feminist Frequency's criticism helped bring the language of feminism to a space that was often ignorant to it. Though Feminist Frequency started on YouTube, it grew into an organization that made a tangible impact on the industry through its work with studios and developers. Though some of Feminist Frequency's initiatives, like Programs Manager Jay Lynn's Accountability Group Respect, will live on in different ways, the organization as a whole will disband by the end of the year. The Games and Online Harassment Hotline, which is laughable. If you get harassed online, you're supposed to call this hotline to get emotional support. Can you believe that? I feel emotionally stunted. <laughs> which the team spun up in 2019 as the industry reckoned with systemic sexism and harassment will run through the end of September. It's not the first time Sarkeesian has considered shutting down feminist frequency. She found it had reached its natural conclusion several times before, but there was always something new pulling her and the team back into it. Could it be the six figures that you're getting for doing nothing? Yeah, no one really wants you to do what you're doing. But this time, it's sticking. Beyond needing to rest and recover from that burnout, Sarkeesian deeply believes that there's value to ending projects naturally. There doesn't need to be some catastrophic ending. Um, I don't think we talk about that enough. She said, you built this whole thing and why would you give up? But sometimes it's actually better that we can move on to new things, to take risks and do things that challenge us. 
Um, no, really, you have eight minutes to I know, all I'm those I'm so panicked. I'm so panicked. Drop I, everything. I'm literally dropping everything. Okay. I'm so scared. I believe in you. Oh, my God. Do you have your pole vault? Oh, you don't need it. You got the bridge. Okay. Oh my God. Sorry, everyone. We're getting distracted. No, someone's I'm trying so to talk to me. I'm, I'm so glad. trying to talk to me. Tell them to shut up. I'm leaving. Okay, anyway. Um, this article is very long. I'm not going to read this whole thing. Um, but all I can say is that well, this article is part of the problem. This is like a 2,000-word creed about a woman who's done nothing but damage the um, the industry. Um, I just I uh, I just can't believe people took this woman seriously, man. Like, there's been so many responses to her videos that just show how ridiculous her points have always been. We don't need to belabor it. Um, she's never been. She's never been a serious critic, and the fact that people take her so seriously is just hilarious to me. But I'm all I'm all for uh, I'm all for her shutting down. Uh, moving on, Skullgirls second encore is getting uh, is landing in hot water. Uh, this is an article from AFK Gaming. Skullgirls uh, is a 2D fighting game that was released in 2012, so this thing is over a decade old and is set in the post-World War II era. The game has had its fair share of controversy right from its release, starting with its hypersexualized art style to controversial references. Most notably, in 2020, after sexual harassment allegations were raised against Mike Zaymont, the head, the head developer of uh, Lab Zero Games, Skullgirls switched studios. Skullgirls now finds itself in the spotlight thanks to numerous fans review-bombing the game on Steam. Review-bombing for... Uh, Normal folk out there is when uh, something happens with a game you don't like, or something happens, something you don't like happens to a game. There we go. And so you go on to wherever the game, wherever you can leave user reviews, and you just leave zeros and bring down its overall score as a form of protest. So that's what's going on with Skullgirls right now. Skullgirls 2, uh, sorry, Skullgirls Second Encore has been getting lashed at on Steam following an update on. June 26, that brought changes to a few character designs and in-game artwork. The game's recent reviews are overwhelmingly negative on Steam, following an update that saw the removal and change of some character designs, along with some in-game artworks. Notably, this latest update did not bring any gameplay changes and has only made tweaks to character models, voice lines, and designs. So basically, they updated the game, but they, uh, I guess, covered up some of the characters, changed what they talk about, etc. In a detailed post, Skullgirls game director and creative director of Hidden Variable Studios, Charlie Price, explained the reason behind some of the changes and provided some insight into their rationale for the adjustments before the update went live. So, what did Skullgirls change? The major changes that Skullgirls brought forth in this new update include doing away with references to real-world hate groups, unwanted sexualization of characters, especially minors, and content around racial violence. I'm going to press uh, X to doubt on this one. In the blog post, Price stated that Egret soldiers will no longer feature armbands and that the heraldry of the black Egret's organization has also been adjusted. Likewise, Price acknowledged that there are instances in the game where characters are fetishized and or have sexualization imposed upon them. He noted that there are a few depictions of unwanted predatory behavior, particularly towards younger characters in the game. As a result, some small adjustments throughout the game were introduced to ensure that this content is less exploitative. To make Skullgirls racially sensitive, the developers have also made adjustments to some content that they believed was in poor taste. They gave the example to re of references to racial violence in Big Band Story Mode. Um, 
Skullgirl's second Encore's review page on Steam is filled with negative reviews following the update. These new reviews have labeled the update censorship and lashed out at developers for changing legacy content. One negative review said, Ignoring whatever the changes are, the reason I'm aggravated by this update is that the that it is removing content that I paid for. I paid for the announcer packs, I paid for the skin, I paid for the voice lines. This game is more than a decade old. Why is content getting removed with no suitable replacement? That is a great, even if you don't agree with the idea that censorship is bad, which it is, the idea that a developer can just come in and take people's hard-earned money for things that they paid for and just delete them because they're offensive to a new group of people now um, is ridiculous. Was Not everything mention, just on top of the hill? What? Was everything just on top of the hill? Yeah. I did it. How much did you make? Uh, we made over 500000 Nice. Actually, over 600000 Wow. Fantastic. Good I, job. Oh, no, wait. It's over 500000 I have 534,962 bells. Nice. Well done. I pooped my pants. I was so scared I wasn't going to make it. Continue. <laughs> Another reviewer pointed out that they enjoyed the game, but noted that they were not a fan of any form of censorship and removing things like they never existed. So yeah, uh, the idea of behind censorship. So it sounds like the game, because of the controversy that the developer, uh, the head developer landed himself in, the game switched studios, and that new studio is coming in and changing uh, things about the original game, which just seems uh, wrong uh, in a lot of ways. Um, People paid for this content, and now someone else is deciding, nah, that's offensive, actually, so you can't have it. I just... It's its kind of ridiculous. Um, so... I'm all for review bombs in this case. Uh, people need to voice their displeasure. Um, and apparently, I've heard rumor that Steam is now going in and censoring those changes, nope. uh, those reviews, and saying, uh, like, deleting them to Sorry. make sure that their score doesn't drop too low. You get all of them or you get none. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to sit here and defend, uh, you know, references to Nazis in a video game or whatever, but at the same time, this game has existed for 10 years, um, and what the game is what it is. People play it for that reason, and you come in and you change things, things that make the game what it is, at least to some degree, that's going to tick people off. It doesn't make sense either from a business standpoint or anything. I just don't understand why every game has to be Puritan garbage nowadays. Uh, this one is just some uh, an inter interesting note that I just want to bring up. Um, this isn't an article or anything. This is just, uh, I'm huge into D&D. &D. Um, not what? because of how woke it is, but like, I've been world building for a while and we play in my world. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So this is a post from uh, on Reddit from uh, someone on the Kotaku in action subreddit. When did D&D &D culture and players become so overtly liberal? He says, this is a serious question. I'm not trying to be inflammatory. I'm not particularly political and I'm not in the U.S. So I can assure you this isn't anything to do with that. I used to play D&D and then Pathfinder with friends and occasionally in some local groups when I was in my teens and early 20s. I kind of fell off of it due to time constraints, um, but much like comic books, I may not engage anymore, but I still occasionally keep my eye on it out of nostalgia. Anyways, I've reconnected with a couple old friends and they both still play, though separately and online. I never played online, to be fair, so I can't say if it's only there. They both said the same thing that it's weirdly hard to find a normal game since people seem weirdly political online these days. 
Seems to be a mostly US and UK thing, but to quote one, it's like every other it's like every game has a player whose character is non-binary tiefling in a medieval wheelchair. <laughs> in a medieval wheelchair. <laughs> Though the real player doesn't seem to use one, who talks like a, a Whedon character. Also that DMs randomly throw in a character who used a potion to change gender for seemingly no reason. Uh, one specifically mentioned a player whose character's backstory was that they were an escaped slave from faraway land where men ruled women and kept them in chains, and of course the player was a man in real life. Now this is, of course, just their experience, but these are two lads who I can guarantee are barely aware of Woke and don't have any dog in that fight. But when Googling D&D and Pathfinder, when playing a couple related video games, I started getting ads on YouTube for related apps. Um, And all the players have their pronouns below their names and all look like stereotypical American liberal arts lads. Randomly looking up D&D and seeing comments about it on Reddit or YouTube, it definitely uh, seems to have given me the impression that this is the case. I don't have a problem with this as such, and I have no problem with more options like this. Um, I am just generally curious how and where this all started. Um, some of the comments in reply to this post say, there's this old meme about people enjoying a hobby, and more and more people get into the activity until it attracts people who just want to be there to hang out. And then the hobby is changed to make it more and more accessible, while the people who initially enjoyed the hobby are run off because they are no longer the target audience. It's pretty much exactly like that. Mm-hmm. And that is very true. Uh, when you look at the state of D&D and how it's changing and it's getting more simple and uh, trying to appeal to the lowest common denominator instead of nerds who like math and like, you know, fantasy Problem role playing. Problem solving. Yeah, 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 and teamwork and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's It really, like when you think about D&D nowadays, like when you watch D&D in Stranger Things, for instance, that's a good idea of what D&D was like when it was at its you know peak in yeah. the 80s. Um, a bunch of people who really love nerdy stuff getting together and yes it was a social activity but they were there for the game nowadays when you think about D&D it's kind of like a background activity for people an excuse for them to get together and an excuse for them to be weird like I shudder to think what kind of games go on in my local game store Hmm. like I bet you it's just a bunch of weirdos um, who have no real interest in D&D outside of using it for Weird sexual role play, weird. Because um, it's acceptable once it's in the world of D and D. They know that it's a little bit like. Well, if it includes any queer themes, it's totally fine. That's true. Anything queer. If is, it was straight is though, that would be creepy. Yeah. To me, it's creepy either way. But people like going in and playing, uh, just like being trans for no for no reason, being non-binary for no reason. It's just it's just weird. Um, I bet there's like some people that are like. Oh, since everyone goes to sleep in the inn, and I decide to go for a walk around the town, and then I get molested. And the DM's like, nope, I have to decide to do that, but whatever, go off, I guess. Because <laughs> they're just... People are saying it's Will Wheaton's fault. Uh, this guy okay. says, it's Critical Role's fault. And someone replied and said, you are half right. Critical Role was originally on the Geek and Sundry YouTube network. Geek and Sundry was started by Will Wheaton and Felicia Day and funded by her 70-year-old sugar daddy. I am not making that up. Will Wheaton uh, (laughs) did a popular series called Tabletop and that pretty much single-handedly made board games more mainstream. The problem being that it made board games mainstream to a very liberal and faux intellectual crowd. It was the success of Tabletop that led to Critical Role. So actually it was all Will Wheaton's fault. Will Wheaton. Other replies are saying fantasy and sci-fi were co-opted by Tumblr nerds and Tumblr radfem ideology starting in the early 2010s. The 2000s was sort of a golden age for grimdark fantasy after the popularity of 
George R.R. Martin series, but that started to change as the Radfem Radlib nerds started to dominate internet forums around the same time Whedon's Avengers erupted and ushered in a whole wave of quip heavy geek exploitation. Given that up to the point fantasy was still kind of a nerd thing rather than a geek thing. The freaks usually drifted into these spheres for belonging, wish fulfillment, etc. The ideology was empowering for these types of people. Um, I say this as an old school, old school nerd myself. Um, yeah, it is funny that um, D&D used to be like a uh, safe haven for the nerds and the, the freaks and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And now it's so mainstream, it's for the people that are like just accepted uh, outside uh the world at every turn nowadays you know mm-hmm. so it's no longer a weird social outcast thing it's it it's almost weird if you don't play D, but when you do you get, where are you gonna be queer at <laughs> yeah so what are i wonder what all those straight nerds are doing you know besides us because we're still playing yeah they're but like... th- then again we are heavily homebrewing it i'm trying to move as far away from D as possible mm-hmm. by homebrewing all my monsters and um planes of existence and pretty much everything the only thing i'm keeping is the rules at least that's what i'm trying and some stat blocks but anyway that's all we have time to talk about our children are waking up they they love us so much they stayed quiet through the whole podcast they're so awesome they are so um thank you so much for listening guys if you enjoyed the show head on over to patreon.com slash scrivenaut and there you can throw some dollars our way that's s-c-r-i-v-o-n-a-u-t if not we'll keep making the show for free but share it with your friends review it Leave a comment. Don't review bomb us. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, we will see you guys next time. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.